Robin, you sit before me a new man. A man who has jumped out of an airplane and survived. Tell this the people tell the people how you feel. I feel like I was scammed out of $150. But did you have fun? Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. So if someone would have given you $150 and said, do something extravagant with your time, would you go again? No. I would buy 50 tickets to a roller coaster and get 50 times the excitement. It would also probably last 50 times longer. <laughs> no, it was fun. Everybody needs to go skydiving at least once. Mm, no, I'm good. I like the ground. Pfft. Stupid ground people. That's something a, a, gr a groundy would say. I enjoy being grounded. Being grounded as an adult is a good thing. Yeah, being bound by the limitations of gravity. You're such a sheep. Well, I mean, you are still under the authority of gravity even whenever you're skydiving. I mean, that's the whole idea behind skydiving is, is being bound by gravity. You mentioned, I remember you telling me that whenever you were in the airplane and they opened the door, how quite chilly it was up. How many, how many feet were you up? 12,000, 15, I don't know. Quite chilly up there. It was. It was about 100 degrees on the ground in the desert, and then you're basically diving out into an ice bath. You know where else it's it's getting quite chilly? Where is that? Right, right here, where we live on the ground. Because it's my favorite time of year. Feel that nip in the air? That's right. Fall is almost here. Fall is here. It's in a couple days. The aspens are about to be lit up in their yellow glow. Pumpkins and sweaters, scarecrows and bonfires, and apple cider are all there for the taking. Our hundreds of thousands of Australian listeners are not enjoying this. Oh, yes, sentiment. because we have such a huge Australian following. And our tens of millions of uh, southern U.S. listeners. Yeah, unfortunately, everyone back home is not experiencing the the joys of fall like we are. But, you know, they don't have to live there. They can move, too. Seeing as the first day of fall is in a few days, I thought it was appropriate to talk about Autumn's favorite drink, apple cider. Whiskey. Apple cider. Believe it or not, we are going to ancient Egypt again. It's our favorite place. It is our favorite place. We are unsure about who was the first to make apple cider, but we do know that apple trees were grown on the banks of the Nile River as early as 1300 BC. That's impressive. I wouldn't have imagined they would be able to thrive over there. We don't have any evidence that they brewed cider, but considering how much the Egyptians enjoyed beer and were some of the earliest people to brew it, we know they at least had knowledge of fermentation. Probably had a lot of wine, too. I feel like it's basically just apple wine. Kind of. The apple cider we enjoy here in the U.S. is all bubbly. Well, if it's alcoholic. If you make your own apple cider, then it's not really bubbly. Which is delicious. I have made apple cider in a crock pot before, and it was slamming. It was the Romans, though, who perfected the drink. By the time Julius Caesar invaded what is now England in 55 BC, the native Celts were fermenting crab apples, 
making a crude cider that the Romans fell in love with and brought back with them when they retreated. Soon enough, cider spread around the Roman Empire and continental Europe. Funny enough, England has the highest per capita cider consumption in the world. It kind of started there and it is still extremely popular. When we think of an English drink, though, our first thought is tea. Maybe it should be cider. It's definitely less popular here. You pretty much only have apple cider if you, like, go to an event in the fall or early winter. And it's almost never alcoholic. Well, yeah, at events usually because the kind of events that attract people that are there to drink apple cider and look at, like, Christmas lights and stuff usually have children. They can't have it, so... You just make it slightly less alcoholic. It'll be fine. In all my years, I'm pretty sure I've only ever been offered alcoholic apple cider once. Cider became a fundamental drink. It's strange to think of an alcoholic beverage as a daily necessity, but a lot of water couldn't be trusted because of bacteria. But cider, on the other hand, had a low alcohol content that was not a good home for nasties that could make you sick but still hydrate you, and I'm sure it tasted good too, so that's always a plus. It was pretty cheap to produce as well, which I'm sure also gave it the space to become the main drink of many Europeans. Cider was even used as currency in some communities. You could use it to pay wages or your taxes. You could even pay your tithes in cider, which I find hilarious because the church is usually against alcohol. Could you imagine getting home from a long week of work and your boss is like, here's your pay, and hands you a big jug of apple cider? I suppose it wouldn't be so bad as long as you could pay your rent with it. Bring it down to the bank and be like, hey. Thanks for the house loan. (laughs) I would like to deposit this pint of apple cider. Thank you. So when the first colonists settled America, they had a hard time at first growing grains and barley needed to brew beer, but apples grew easily in New England, so they were a big fan of cider. Again, water could be scary, so they even brewed a slightly less alcoholic version for children. See, it's okay. I mean, it's not great. It's not okay. By today's standards, this is not okay. Hey, kids have hard lives too, especially in those days. They, they need a little something to take the edge off. I Well, you know, you are right. Being a child was very difficult in ye olden times. I mean, if you lived past four, you were doing immaculate. Happy fourth birthday, little Susie. Have a pint. It was even said that the drink helped the settlers get much-needed nutrition to help them through the very harsh winters. Which, if you remember the starving times of 1609 from the glass episode, you know that there was a lot of hardships in the early days. The good old days. They needed that bump of cider to give them not only nutrition, but probably some hope, and maybe even some warmth in their bellies. I guess when you have so few joys in life, waking up to a nice breakfast of hard cider is one of the few pleasures of their time. Sounds nice. That would be a nice pleasure in this time. Yeah, I mean, if you do that now... You're a bum. If you did that, then you were just... I guess if everybody's a bum, then no one's a bum, right? That's how it works. Although, we do still partake in mimosas, which is orange juice and champagne, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Just change that out for apple juice, and you're right back in the old days. You're right. As long as you put juice in it, any beverage can be a breakfast beverage. As long as your alcohol contains juice. So like a vodka and cranberry, that's a breakfast beverage. Yeah, I guess so. Good to know. 
But by the 1800s, cider was on a steady decline as the most popular drink. Several factors went into this. An increased consumption of beer was one. Immigrants arriving from Germany and Ireland had a little something to do with that. Grain was pretty cheap from the Midwest. The Industrial Revolution was another factor. People were giving up farming to move closer to the city for factory work. The biggest blow to cider, though, was the temperance movement. Do you know what that is? That's where everybody got a real bad temper. Kind of. <laughs> I, yes, you are correct. I had never heard that name before, but it, Prohibition. Prohibition was enacted in 1919, and that was the final nail in cider's barrel, at least for a while. But today, cider making is a global industry. The UK alone produces 750 million liters per year. It takes up over half of their apples. It's a big bev. The British tradition of wassling the apple tree and making an offering of cider and bread in autumn to protect the fertility of the orchard seems to be a relatively old tradition, dating back to the early medieval period. They would have a festival of sorts, and if there was a good harvest, they would bob for apples, which I think is interesting that that tradition is so old. Not only have I never heard of any of this stuff they're doing, but what are the, what is wassling? I, you remember the Christmas song, Here we go, wassling among the leaves of green. There's no way that's the words to that song. Yes. Yes, it is. No, it's not. If it is, nobody ever sings it that way anymore. Look up the definition for wassling. Verb. Drink plentiful amounts of alcohol and enjoy oneself with others in a noisy, lively way. Partying it up with your favorite beverage, being loud, probably singing. They did a lot of singing back then. That must be why Christmas caroling used to be so popular. They were shmammered the whole time. We gotta bring being shmammered back to caroling. It's the only way to bring back caroling. That's why you got. That's why caroling has to be done on foot, because you can't drink and drive. I'm going to go caroling now. We'll go caroling this year. As long as we can wassle. We can't talk about apple cider without talking about John Chapman, or who he would come to be known as Johnny Appleseed. He was born in Massachusetts on September 26, 1774. Ah, uh, yes, the founder of Apple Computer Incorporated. Wow, he sat on that idea for a long time, 1774 to... When was Apple established? What, like the 80s? Yeah, probably about 1780. For those of you wondering, yes, that does make Johnny Appleseed a Virgo. You can still visit his birthplace. It has a granite marker and is now called Johnny Appleseed Lane. He was the second born of Elizabeth and Nathaniel Chapman. Unfortunately, Johnny wouldn't get to spend much time with his mother because she died shortly after giving birth to her third child, but his father did remarry a Lucy Cooley. She went on to have 10 children with Johnny's dad, though, so I don't know how much time she actually had for him, but at least he did have a mother figure. I mean, 10 kids is a lot. I don't, I can't imagine that you can give all of those children equal amounts of attention, especially when two of them are your stepchildren. Not enough time in the day. And then, like, what time is going to be left for poor dad? Is dad going to get any mommy time? Obviously, because she had 10 children. <laughs> he obviously had plenty of mommy time. Those heathens clearly weren't sleeping in separate beds. We need to go over the history of contraceptives. Now, there is a lot of lore around Johnny Appleseed. A homeless vagabond to some, an eccentric arborist to others. 
The mental image of Johnny Appleseed lounging under a beautiful apple tree, munching on a crisp, delicious apple, unfortunately is part of the fairy tale imagery that wasn't actually true. The real image should be Crazy Dave from Plants vs. Zombies. Is that who you think Crazy Dave is based on? I do. It's to a T. So let's talk about apples for just a second. Most apples are what people call spitters. Nasty, bitter, misshapen things that are not very appealing. That are not very appealing. Apples do this weird thing to protect themselves by changing their DNA when a new generation grows. So if you won the apple lottery and you actually got a sweet, yummy apple, even if you tried planting that same apple tree's seeds, you would most likely end up growing a spitter. Now, these are not real numbers. I'm just kind of throwing numbers out there to give an idea of how rare it was to find a a yummy apple. For every, like, thousand apple trees grown, only one of them would be yummy and delicious. The rest of them would be the spitters. Again, those are not real numbers. It was just, it's very rare to get a a delicious apple. Most of them are going to come out gross. While I was researching this, I learned a lot about apples. Apples went through periods of time where they were perceived as evil because they had connections with alcohol and like Adam and Eve the or even the term bad apple it went through a resurgence whenever they had to rebrand apples to be good instead of what they had thought originally which was you know apples are bad so we've established that apples are an f tier fruit at best Where did we get all these good apples that are everywhere? Are they growing a thousand trees and just cutting down 999 of them? That's what I would do. That seems efficient. Technically, all of the apples that you see in grocery stores are clones. I know that sounds kind of scary, but grafting is how we get good apples. So you take a little branch from a good apple tree and you make a little sliver into another tree and then another apple tree and you graft it, you bind it together, and then that branch will start growing, and you'll get the same yummy apples from that tree as you would the original yummy tree. My idea is better. Johnny Appleseed was a spiritual man and a vegetarian. He was of a religion that thought it was wrong to graft plants because it might hurt them, which meant that he was planting all these apple trees from seeds, which also meant that most, if not all, of the apple trees were producing spitters. So... Not only is Johnny Appleseed's reputation severely overly hyped, but all of his apples sucked. Well, no. You might be thinking that it's awful. How could he go around selling janky fruit trees to all these settlers? Well, this is the part that they take out of children's literature that you probably learned growing up. You know what all those nasty apples were really good for? Booze. So at the time, the government was giving 100 acres of land to anyone willing to form a permanent homestead in the wilderness. John was more than just a spiritual, animal activist, nature-loving man. He was also a pretty savvy businessman. He knew that these settlers were going to need to plant orchards in order to prove their homesteadiness. So he would get maps and advance just ahead of them, planting orchards that he would sell them when they arrived. He would then move to more undeveloped land, thus becoming the legend he is today. So he would buy up a bunch of land, plant gross apples on them, and then sell them to people at a premium. What an awesome guy, Johnny Appleseed. I mean, okay, you make it sound like 
a premium like he was gouging these settlers he they needed he was they needed something to prove that they were homesteading this place and growing an orchard was a great way to do that yep it was a great way to take advantage of people and everybody loves booze most people love booze rosella rice was a writer who actually met john chapman and this is a paraphrase of how she described him a small man quick and restless Unshaven beard, his hair was long and dark, he looked as though he lived the roughest life. His clothes were old, seeing as they were generally given to him in exchange for apple trees. He was barefoot and wore a tin on his head that he used for a mush pot. He wore a pot on his head? He sure did. Crazy Dave. You should remember, though, that he was making fairly good money, so he definitely chose this style of life. He didn't have to wear old clothes and sleep in the woods and... Wear his cookware. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have to wear a t-shirt and jeans all the time. Are you comparing Johnny Appleseed to Mark Zuckerberg? No. Zuck is way cooler than Johnny Appleseed. What's your deal with Johnny Appleseed? Why do you dislike him so much? I feel like he's one of those guys who just wrote his own history as a good person. And everybody was like, heck yeah, this guy's a good person. Now we, like, sing songs about him. He's just a guy who planted trees and price gouged. Outside sources talked about Johnny Appleseed being a good man. In fact, there's another account of Henry Howe, the son of a man who published the first edition of Noah Webster's Dictionary, which I just thought was interesting, so I figured I would add that, where he tells a story about how on a cool autumn night, Johnny built a fire, but when he realized that it was causing insects to dive bomb and burn up in the campfire, he took his mush pot and filled it with water to put the fire out. And this is a quote from him. God forbid that I should build a fire for my comfort that should be the means of destroying any of his creatures. Yeah, so all of the other things I said about him, but he's also completely insane. I think this is a good time to mention, though, that it's believed that he died of exposure in 1845. So probably could have used that fire. He also might have had a pet wolf that might have followed him around after he fixed its injured leg. I'm not really sure if that story is true, but it was an interesting thing that I also read about him. Yeah, I'm sure he wrote that in the book about him. Okay, well, you'll love this next bit. He also might have planted dog fennel, which he believed to be a useful medicinal herb, but in fact is a noxious, invasive weed. But there is another story where he heard a horse was going to be killed, so he bought the horse and a few grassy acres, decided to turn it out and see if it would recover, and it did. He then gave the horse to someone that needed it on the condition that they would treat the horse well. He's also a philanthropist. So is Mark Zuckerberg. I don't enjoy this comparison of Johnny Appleseed to Mark Zuckerberg. Practically the same person. Except Johnny Appleseed probably didn't know jujitsu or taekwondo, whichever. John Chapman never married or had any children. It is said that he chose not to marry because he believed he would find his soulmate in heaven. Mm-hmm. So he was also an incel. He probably just didn't want to marry because then, you know, when you have a wife and a kid, then you have to, like, settle down and have your own homestead. And he was a wandering man. I'd just like to be a contrarian. That's the only reason I'm here. Your energy's too good over there. I need to bring it down. There's a Johnny Appleseed Festival in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It started in 1974 and still goes on today. 
They have it on the third full weekend of September this year, 2023. It was held on the 16th and 17th. You can still go and visit um, an apple tree that he planted. I don't know where it is, but it's out there. You can talk to the landowners and be like, yeah, hundreds of years ago, Johnny Appleseed planted this apple tree and then took my grandparents for everything they had. What a good man. So at this Johnny Appleseed Festival, all of the vendors and demonstrators have to dress in 1800s apparel and must sell products, demonstrate trades, entertain, or provide food potentially available within the 1800s. That includes preparing the food over an open flame. So no modern propane and certainly no food trucks will be found on the grounds of this festival. There are about 200 booths and vendors from over 42 different states, so obviously that did not slow them down. I do like that. They should name it after somebody cooler. Like Mark Zuckerberg. Love that guy. We need to end this show. Um, you're making me sad that you want to dump on Johnny Appleseed so much. I don't, I don't understand. You're getting heated over there? I'm not getting heated. I don't have any... I don't have any apples in this tree, but concerns me on how, how little respect you have for such a fable. I wonder if someday, a couple hundred years, somebody will be sitting across the table from somebody else having the same conversation about Mark Zuckerberg. Tired of talking about Mark Zuckerberg. we got to get out of here. Well, this is the end of our episode for this week. Thank you for listening to Thingamajigs and another exciting history of a mundane thing. My name is Ben. And I'm Danielle. Don't forget to grab a goose and have a hearty breakfast of vodka cranberry. Thanks for listening. Now, go! Forgive me by you.